This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. I remember the day I learned to ski. It started out as a disaster. We were at Showdown Ski Area in the Little Belt Mountains of Central Montana. Do you remember that day, I Dave? do, I do. Uh, well, it didn't help that our friend Kevin rushed us to a run that I had no business skiing. Oh, he took us to the top oh, of the yeah. mountain. And by the time I literally fell down the mountain, I had lost almost all confidence. Really, the break point for me, though that may not be the best way to describe it, the the <laughs> Turning point, yeah, not the breaking point. Turning point implies there was a positive end. Yes, and there was, there was. The turning point came when I went back to the bunny hill and I finally learned to turn. That was my issue. I, I kind of knew what I was supposed to do. Yeah, put weight on your outside ski. But suddenly it all fell into place and I enjoyed the rest of the day. Now, I didn't go back up to that, you know, top of the mountain run, but I, I went down some, uh, you know, some... Greens. Yeah. Or blues. Yeah, right. Blue runs, green runs, and, blue And runs, I yeah. enjoyed that. And I have to say, fly fishing is like that. It has a steep learning curve, but there are some useful strategies that can help you gain confidence. Now, before we talk about these strategies, though, we need to start with with something else, and that's having the right mindset. Dave, I know you have some thoughts about this, so... Uh, Talk for a moment about the right mindset before we get into actual strategies. I think one risk is when you start something new is to think that it's going to be easier than it ends up being. Oh, boy, and it's certainly true. true with golf. It turns it's really true with even camping, learning what you need to do to camp yep. and and I think so the the right mindset really begins with this is a sport of a lifetime and it's going to take you a lifetime to get really good at it. And, and that's why we're not good at it. Exactly. We exactly we haven't lived long enough we yet, haven't even lived though we're, long enough. we're late fifties, huh? And uh. yes, some of you may pick it up more quickly than others, but there's so much to learn in yeah, this sport. Yeah, there really is. And so I think the sport requires a learning curve and, and you should expect it. And I think it requires us to think like an an apprentice. It's very hard for some of us older guys to do this you're starting over and you're yeah. learning from a dead stop yep and so to gain confidence i think begins with the right mindset and the right mindset is hey this is going to take a while and this yep. is something for the rest of your life so if it's hard mm -hmm. it's okay absolutely all right, so let's talk strategies. Uh, we, we have a handful of strategies. Nothing here that's just absolutely profound, but I think these are all really helpful. So where would you start, Dave? What would you tell somebody uh, to help them gain confidence as a fly fisher? I'd figure out where to find the closest brookie stream <laughs> yeah. and, and start fishing. Yeah. There are so many great small brook trout streams and even if you're fishing in the West and you have the, your eyes on some of these bigger rivers, I would find and call the fly shop and figure out a way to find some of these smaller streams that have brook trout. Brook trout yeah. are just so forgiving. Yeah, they, and I like that. I like the way you said that, Dave. They're, they're not stupid. They're very intelligent. You, you 
can't spook them. They, they can be kind of spooky, but they are forgiven. Seems like your uh, lion and leader can come down in a nest and your flyer lands right in the middle of it and the brook trout will find a way to get the fly. <laughs> so I think, I think fishing for brook trout is, is really, um, is really one of the best ways to gain confidence because in any given afternoon, you might be able to catch 20 brook trout. And yeah. all of a sudden you start to think, well, this isn't so hard. There's a fly shop not too far from my house. And the guy who now owns the fly shop was a guide out in Colorado. And he talked about taking these uh, trips to the, to the higher parts, the higher elevations of Colorado maybe four or five miles in and he said we would catch a hundred a day man he said wow. you could almost put a bare hook down there because there's mm-hmm. these tr- these trout are just hungry they're temp- they tend to be smaller now these aren't the big mega brook trout that you get in labrador yeah. or that sort of thing or even maine yeah or even maine yeah if you want to gain confidence go find a a brook trout stream and yeah. catch brookies yeah you're absolutely right success increases confidence and so uh yeah fish for brook trout because usually you'll have a modicum of success. I think something else that you can do is to fish productive water. And that's kind of a, well, duh. Yeah. we, we Captain Obvious over yes, here. there I am again. There Captain you are obvious. again. <laughs> but I find the Spring Creeks in Paradise Valley, south of Livingston, Montana, fascinating. And I've had, I've had some success, but I've also had some slow days. That's not the first place I would recommend that a a new fly fisher goes i mean that's yeah those can be productive but that's just hard to fish you know go somewhere maybe the the main yellowstone river or or you know go somewhere where you know if if you do half decent presentation you're going to have a good chance of catching fish and 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 that can be you know that can vary seasonally it can depend on what's uh you know, sometimes you get a river that's hot for a couple of weeks on streamers. That's where you have to get some intel. But, uh, but go to productive water. Learn what fish is best. And then when you get there, uh, what's our mantra always, Dave? Walk farther yeah. than the next person. Oh, I know it. Go back in a ways. And, you know, if you're fishing productive water, you'll, you'll feel better about yourself. I, I think sometimes new fly fishers fish water that, that it's just harder. Maybe, maybe it's... Maybe it's not good at all, but even if it is, it's uh, it's just more technical. So yeah, find places as much as you can that that you know are going to fish pretty well. And again, it goes back to that idea: success increases confidence. So even if it's not brookies, uh, you, you get a stretch of river during a certain season of the year that's good. That, that's where you want to go. I remember learning to nymph fish. I really learned to nymph fish probably 20 years ago in the driftless and I had lived in the west but I'd only dry fly fished or fished streamers I didn't really and I had fished nymphs before but I just really didn't know how to do it well and I've told this before but I had a friend who I actually helped get into fly fishing and he went to nymphs almost immediately and started catching a lot more fish than I did so I started to learn how to nymph fish I do remember though fishing this one creek with him it was a beautiful day you could see a big pot of fish in this run and it was in a spring creek and I remember casting and casting and casting to this big pot of fish and I don't think I got a strike all afternoon I was just learning how to nymph fish and I was fishing with nymphs and 
it would be a good example of fishing unproductive water. Yeah. Now, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have known that, right? So I wouldn't have known that it's unproductive. But being a, a bright, sunny day, the fact that they weren't rising, it just and it was right off of, off of a road, right? It was off of a bridge yeah. where everybody was fishing. It was almost like a big pool where everybody would stop and, and cast their fly. It just was unproductive water. And so maybe another takeaway from this is to fish smaller streams, which really is a corollary to our first point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going out to Montana. Don't fish the Yellowstone, Madison, or the Gallatin unless you have a guide. But there's a lot of other smaller rivers out there and smaller creeks yeah. mm-hmm. where you have a better chance of catching fish. And yeah, thus, you really do. To gain confidence. Uh, that's good. I think I build on that too by adding this strategy, and that is go back to successful places over and over again. I mean, we try to find some new water, but I think one of our keys to success and confidence is we find a good place. Uh, man, we're we're back there, yeah. and Why back there, the, and back there. Reinvent and, the run, yeah. reinvent the day. And what you find too is is you learn to read it more effectively. You. Uh, the more you learn about the water, the, the better you're going to increase your chances of catching trout. So, yeah, keep going go back to some of those same places over and over again. And, yeah, f- find ways to add some new things. But, uh, yeah, why, why reinvent the wheel? And obviously they'll fish differently. I mean, how many times have yeah, we had a really true. great mm-hmm. day on a Thursday and the next day we go to the exact same place and it's horrible uh, yep. because the fish weren't hungry that day or yep. whatever it was we were throwing wasn't wasn't enticing but yep. uh, i do like that idea of finding some places that give you confidence if you've yeah. caught some fish there before go back to them i mean it's all these little things that help build yeah. up our, in a sense our self-esteem for fly fishing yep. really does and even the water can change from year to year that's part of it too is is figuring out okay this is this how this particular run or this section uh, this is how it drifts. Here, here's a great place for a nice long drift. And I, I think of a place near Williams Bridge in the Gallatin River that I used to fish a lot. Uh, it was on Ted Turner's property, and and uh, he was great about letting people, you know, park at the bridge and then, you know, walk up the, you know, the the bank. And we used to, a friend and I, I used to go in there, and there was one long run above the bridge that always did well nymphing and. Oh, that, that's it. It was a good place, so I'd go back there over and over again. And it was it was at a time in my life where I felt like I was just really learning what it meant to be a fly fisher, not just somebody who dabbled in it. And I, I, I really credit that run to uh, you know, giving me confidence then to go to other places and think, hey, I can, I can catch fish here as well. You know, something else, Dave, that I, I think that you wanted to, to mention, and this is one that I know we've talked about before. It's always our default answer, but maybe this is the most important strategy for new fly fishers to gain confidence. And that simply is to hire a guide yeah. or go with a friend who's better than you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that expertise that makes all the difference in the world. And we have done this with friends of yours out in Montana that are obviously a lot better than yeah. we are mm-hmm. and they take us to the places where they know they catch fish i remember talking to one of your friends who said yeah i realized he said the other day that i fished this stream more than a hundred did he say a hundred or 150 yeah, times Yeah, 150 times it was and you yeah. think about that and he you yeah. think wow this guy knows this river intimately 
Oh, yeah. And there's something really wonderful about that, and there's something certainly wonderful about that yep. when you're fishing with someone like that. Right. And then just watching how he fished, I remember, you know, we were all streamer fishing, and he was catching, you know, three to every one I was catching. And, and as we watched him and talked to him later, we just found out, and I think we did a podcast on this, just the way that, you know, he was – he wasn't just throwing the streamer out and stripping it back. He was jigging it and doing some yeah, other twitching things. It twitching and it. And he had a hole. He was using yeah. his rod tip to create movement yeah. on the streamer. And so, again, those are the things that you take away and you go, oh, yep. it is the little things that make the difference yeah. between a, a good day and a, and a no fish day. Yep. Here's another strategy. And, and again, this seems so obvious, but... Uh, but you're not going to gain confidence without it, and that is learn to cast and learn to mend. Uh, you know that I know there can be a lot of complexity with casting, but if you keep it simple, if you remember to uh, uh, wow to snap your wrist when you're making that cast instead of trying to get your whole body into it. Uh, by by using your wrist, really making it snap, you're going to be letting the rod do the work for you and then and then learning to mend that was always the big thing uh i know my mentor bob granger you know and, and now mend your line <laughs> yeah and then again and yes, then again and, and then again when you think about it so much of the start of fly fishing is set up to learn how to cast right you have yeah. class mm -hmm. casting clinics a lot of your tu chapters will host uh classes all the fly shops how many fly shops do you know have mending clinics yeah they just oh, don't and yet no. so of casting and mending i would say mending yeah. may be the most important thing oh, because there's is. there's no way to learn this yep. in a classroom and for new fly fishers and we we're talking about mending we're, we're talking about kind of flipping the middle of your line uh, back up the river. Well, e even more simple than that, we're just talking about putting a, a, a bend, an S-curve in your line so that you've got some slack because if if the line is tight, your, your fly is going to drag. And, and trout, man, they pick up on that, not just on the surface. That's obvious. I mean, if you get... If your line is pulling your fly through the, the water on the surface, it's going to look like a skier. You know, there's this wake... Uh, but but even even under the surface, if that nymph isn't drifting naturally, if it looks like it's zooming along faster than the current, trout are going to ignore that. So it's important to add that little uh, you know that those pieces of slack. So learning to mend, you're, you're tossing the middle section of your line uh, back up river because it's often that middle section that, that comes down first. And if that's coming first, it's going to be pulling your yeah. fly, so you don't want that. And that really is true. I mean, there's mending with dry flies and mending with nymphs that are beneath yeah. the surface. Yep. And you've done this well, too. I've watched you. You're able to mend as you're casting it. So right before the, the fly hits the water, you do a little C loop yeah. with it, depending or yeah. reverse C, mm -hmm. depending on how yep. you're casting. And those yeah, just like you're techniques. drawing drawing the letter C with your rod tip. It's amazing what that will just gives your that'll do your fly a little more time to drift before you either have to mend or you pull it up because yep. it's now dragging. Yep. You know something else I would add as well is is learning a limited fly selection. I, I think sometimes fly fishers when they first start out lack confidence because oh man. 
you know, which one of these 150 patterns do I use? And we've talked about this before, but the importance of saying, hey, uh, if, okay, there's, there, there's dry flies, there's streamers, there's nymphs. If I'm going to stream or fish, good night. If you have a black, an olive, maybe a brown woolly bugger, maybe in a couple sizes, that's really all you need. It really is all you need. It's amazing what you can do with that. If you're talking nymphs, there, there's really four or five nymphs, and, and again, sizes matter, but uh, maybe on a little, maybe your first nymph, because we usually fish a two-nymph rig. What would you say, like a, a beadhead prince or a... Yeah, beadhead prince. Um, hair's ear, maybe, uh, you know, I, like One of my favorite is the beadhead hair's ear. The, yeah. <laughs> hair's ear. There's also the beadhead rainbow warrior or the mm-hmm. pheasant tail. Yeah. All those... I mean, they all start to run together. Yeah, and they're kind of generic. I mean, one of those, and then for a dropper, man, just a small copper john. Yeah. Or brassy. Else. Yeah, or a brassy. Those are, those are simple patterns. If if you have that, you're going to be fine in most instances. And then when it comes to dry flies, if if you have a parachute Adams and an Elkhart Caddis, good night. You're pretty much golden. You, yeah. you really are. You really and are. And yes, so. they don't match the hatches on everything, but. It's a good place to start. Yeah, it and, really is. And really, you can you can catch a lot of fish with those simple patterns. You really can. Yep, you sure can. Any other strategies, Dave, before we wrap this up? Well, one of the last ones is don't let a bad day, you know, or with little to no fish really discourage you. And I think we have to think of it like a baseball player treats a loss or – you know, when you're in a slump, you have to move on Boy, in your that's, mind that's somehow. That's a great point, yeah. And if you don't, you're, it's just going to – I think it spirals and you end up quitting because you start not to like the sport. You, you start to dread going out, and next thing you know, you're not deciding to invest in this or that or mm-hmm. you've decided not to do this or that or you make – you know, I'm not going to take this trip or I'm not going to spend the energy to get up and, and drive this distance to fly fish. So yeah. I think you have to be careful with your motivation and your mm-hmm. discouragement level. Yeah. And so these bad days, which we all have, I think we have to treat it and just think of it for what it is. It was just one bad day. Yep. By the way, I should mention this. I was recently uh, walleye fishing, as I had mentioned, and in North Dakota. And the one thing about walleye fishing, when you're on a boat and you're going up and down like the bank near near the uh, edge of the lake, it really doesn't require that much skill. So, uh, you know, I had a, an eight-year-old neat nephew that was with us. He caught one of the two, three biggest fish of the day. I caught the biggest fish of the day. And then a few minutes later, after I caught that big one, I was I had my line in the water, and we were just, in a sense, trolling. Mm-hmm. And... I fell asleep. I was nodding off and I start and I caught a fish while I was nodding off. But let me tell you, I didn't catch a fish until the second half of the day. And my confidence was like, it started to wane. I was thinking this doesn't even require any skill and I'm losing confidence. Man. So it's really, this is, this is one of the things that I think is really key. I think it's harder than it looks to, to stay positive when you're not catching fish. It really is. You know, you use the ball player analogy. I mean, you think about it, a 300 hitter. I mean, that's, wow, 300 hitter. That's a great hitter. Well, that, that means you miss seven out of out of ten times, you know, that you strike out or you bounce it to the shortstop. 
so yeah, you just have to factor in, you know, not every day is going to be stellar. Yeah, and Not every yeah, day is going to be stellar. Yeah, don't let and the bad ones And there may be you. a stretch of non-stellar days. Yeah, yeah. And it could be mm-hmm. the selection of day that you're out, right? Yeah. It's really bright and sunny on yeah. the last five days you were out, and that's probably not the best time to fly no, fish. that's right. Well, we do hope that uh, some of these strategies will, will help give you some confidence. And so, uh, hey, keep at it, and uh, hope you do well in the water. Now it's time for great stuff from our listeners. This is David's response to our podcast on For the Love of Fly Rods. This is what David wrote. Lee Wolf once caught a salmon on a five-weight, six-foot, one-piece bamboo rod. His story intrigued me to the point that I just had to have a one-piece, six-foot, two-weight bamboo rod. You would think such a short, lightweight rod wouldn't have the action to cast with any distance. But surprisingly, I'm able to cast it quite well and with accuracy. It's the perfect rod for small streams. I absolutely fell in love with the rod. We were made for each other. (laughs) I love that last line. We were made for each other. That's pretty cool. That's how you feel about a good fly rod, isn't it? I've never fished with a bamboo rod, Dave. I I had a a friend uh, in... Uh, near Bozeman, Montana, that actually made some custom-made some uh, uh, some bamboo rods. He was actually kind of a leftover hippie, and he took forever. And so, by the time he he finished a rod, it was probably twenty five hundred or three grand that he would sell it for. And so, oh I, I wasn't going to. He was still use probably that. making a dollar an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. I mean, I, I like that idea. We're you know, David hears about something and he's so intrigued he's going to try it out and then, hey, this is kind of cool and you know, so maybe, it was a six foot two weight. Yeah, or a six. I think he said a six point two foot two weight. I didn't read that quite right, but huh. yeah, essentially a six foot two weight. That's that really is short, but it's light. That two yeah, weight is really light. Yeah, that I can w- see though that would be a great rod to have on a small stream. And wouldn't it? Huh. That's pretty cool. Well, our final segment today's podcast is Hook Set. It's time to set the proverbial hook and wrap this up. Today's quote is actually a funny story by Pat Barnes. Uh, We've talked about him before in our podcast. He owned a fly shop in West Yellowstone from the mid-1940s through the early 1970s. And here is his quote, or rather his story. One overcast June morning as we drove to the Madison with a carload of Texas fishermen, our car was delayed for about 15 minutes by cattle being herded to their summer pasture. After the cattle had passed, one of the Texans remarked, If those had been Texas cattle crossing the road, we wouldn't have moved for hours. Soon we turned off the main highway onto a rutted lower road that led to the river. As our car approached a culvert, a gush of water from an irrigation ditch blocked our path. Once again, we were forced to wait. As the water receded, this is interesting, as the water receded, trout of all sizes splashed across the road. By the way, I, I worked for a ditch rider one summer uh, south of Livingston, and, and there, there were fish that got into those ditches from, wow. uh, from, from the Yellowstone River. So that's what it would happened. fun to drift a hopper down that oh. in the middle of summertime. Oh, yeah. I tried it once because this guy said, sometimes you can have success. I didn't do well that day, but man. <sighs> that would be awesome. But anyway, I guess that's what happened here. So from the Madison River, there was an irrigation ditch. The ditch splashes over. 
and some fish came with it. So that's what he's talking about. Anyway, he says, as the water receded, trout of all sizes splashed across the road, fighting to follow the water back down the river. I turned to the Texan who was so proud of his state's cattle, and I said, how often, sir, are you stopped on the roads of Texas to wait for a school of trout to swim by? <laughs> and then he ends by saying, despite the delays, the fishing was good that day. Oh, that's great. That is uniquely Montana, that isn't it? really is. That's, <laughs> that's funny. great. You may have bigger cattle in Texas or big ranches, but uh, I, remember Here in the, Montana. I remember the joke where a, a guy you know, was taking a friend from Texas around his ranch in South Dakota, and he drives around the ranch, and it, it took a couple hours, and the guy said, well, that would have been my ranch in Texas. It would have taken us all day. So the friend from South Dakota says, yeah, I used to have a pickup like that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, nothing against Texans. I've got uh, family living in, in Texas. and uh, But I thought that was a funny story, That's wasn't it? That's great. Yeah, so, hey, does your state have uh, you know trout crossing the road in front of you? Do you have to wait for trout? That's, that, a, that's a new one. That's a new and one. I've never had that happen in Montana. <laughs> or in Illinois. No, that's for <laughs> no. sure. Oh, man. Well, hey, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>